You are listening to the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast. After, feels weird to say, but maybe one of the best games of the season. And it ends in a regulation loss. I'm Ross Levitan. With me as always, Brandon Piller and recurring guest of the postcast at Laleem's Martian. He was able to get Donnie out of his DMs at least enough to join us tonight. So we're wrapping up a 3-1 loss and this one slipped away in the third period, Pilsy. When did you start to get the sense that this one was going to be a loss? Well, I don't know. I still can't get over that second goal, that Jankowski goal. Like, that whole play is just wild. Anytime you have eight total players all together in a scrum, how does the whistle not blow there? I don't know. Maybe Martian has a better idea. But the way I saw the play go... The uh, Ocposo's breaking up the right wing right in front of the benches. Brantstrom finishes his check. Good strong. hit. I don't know who the – was it Tage Thompson? Third guy in just comes and bowls over yeah. Eric Brantstrom. Now, if you're not going to call interference, I don't really care one way or another. But then when four other guys fall on him, you either have to whistle the play down just for yeah. sake of not having – because the linesman had hands. I feel like that's got to be one of the circumstantial situations where – you realize that the whistle has to go when the linesman has hands on players and are moving <laughs> them around as well. So that in itself is all good. Marsha, what did you see on that play? I don't know why they didn't blow the whistle either, but I don't know if there was like an actual real reason why they should have blown the whistle. I, I feel like some of the referees were standing around watching that scrum happen, and then Jankowski was like the only one who realized that the puck was still in play and that the whistle hadn't gone yet. They always say, guys, like, play to the whistle and I, I i mean i guess they didn't play to the whistle but that's kind of a joke letting that, that breakaway happen and not blowing it down before they end up scoring that goal because once it goes in it's, they didn't blow it down so what are they going to do it's not even reviewable play i don't think so no it's definitely no. not something that's going to be called back after the fact it had to be a call on the ice pillsy how much blame are you putting on number three there for being the only man outside of the scrum don't do it pillsy but not don't do it. you know standing tall on the back end I mean, he's supposed to be the guy that's in the scrum. So what is he doing out of the scrum there? But uh, no, I'm not going to blame him there. And like, I'm not going to blame Jankowski either. Like you said, Martian, like play to the whistle go. So like, I don't blame him. But like when all of the players are gathering in one place and they're kind of expecting the whistle to get blown, like I just, like you said, there's not, I don't think there should have been a penalty there. It was kind of like a wild scramble so whatever just just let it go but at least blow the play dead because clearly there's a distraction and no one's looking at the puck anymore yeah it was a huge piss off because i at you know even after it happened i was like oh the, the sends are looking really good tonight they can come back this is buffalo but the fact that it ends up being the game winning goal there was still 10 minutes left when it happened yeah. so it was like okay it's salvageable like I, at that time i wasn't thinking that for sure they were going to lose like oh no they can't come back from this the buffalo sabers are up by one goal with 10 minutes <laughs> exactly left. yeah but you know as 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 soon as it ends up being the game winning goal and looking back at it it's like oh, that's really terrible that's a shitty way to lose yeah no it's kidding. a tsn turning point no question but to hop on joe bell's comment here what was that power play at the end of the game that was not smooth at all we've come to know at least this top power play unit as being able to contribute in these dire situations they did it when edmonton tied it up 4-4 just on saturday night but my question too because dj ends up calling the timeout afterwards they end up pulling the goalie i know there's four and a half minutes left and you're only down one goal but I'm of the mind, maybe this is too aggressive. You can talk me off the cliff, Pilsy. I pull the goalie on that power play and go up six men on four. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely something you think about. Like, there's definitely a debate to be had there. The only thing, uh, issue I have with that, Ross, is the Sens had a tough time all night. They were getting into the zone on the power play with relative ease. But the second they got in, Buffalo's penalty killers applied pressure, turned it over, and cleared it. So if they're shorthanded and you've got an empty net, they're going to go for that empty net every time. Whereas if you're not on the power play and they go for the empty net, well, they get... uh, basically they have to take an icing and then those guys stay on the ice. So I kind of get the idea. You don't want to pull your goalie when you're on a power play because it gives them a little extra incentive to be able to shoot for that empty net. And Buffalo's penalty killers have been great at clearing it all night on the PK, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. But at at the same time, man, like you have to get something at least around the net. And that's how Ottawa scored their goal. We're going to get into all this, but clearly the major focus of this game is the 2-1 goal and how it went especially when there's no fans in the arena, even more are watching on TV and the the shot only showed the scrum next thing yeah. you know, it's a breakaway. <laughs> so everyone at home is just... I don't even know what happened. First thing I see, Josh Brown has the puck behind the net. Next thing I know, it's going the other way and Jankowski's got a breakaway. So like, what did Josh Brown do? Why didn't he just cross the red line and flip it over the glass? Yeah. Like he's supposed to, yeah, And then get honestly. in the scrum, eh, Pelzi? Yeah, jeez. What do you guys think of uh, another comment in here from Tyler Reed? Eric Branstrom plays the body more than Josh Brown at this he point. Did tonight. He, he was he did awesome tonight. tonight. We'll, we'll was... tease. We'll, we'll get to our, our central standouts from tonight's game. If you're joining us the morning after, again, you can catch up on the postcast anywhere you get your Locked On Senators podcast. We appreciate everyone in the chat on YouTube. I've been flowing through the comments. We'll continue that. We appreciate everyone after each and every Sens game, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, of course. But the scoring summary. So the Ottawa Senators failed to get my key to victory from today's Locked On Senators. I said you got to score first. Buffalo's only got three wins in 21 games when they allow the first goal. But they got one tonight, and it was a cheeky one. Dylan Cousins... He tried to pass it. It goes off a skate. Next thing you know, Forsberg's caught napping. one nothing Buffalo after the first period. Then, Drake Batherson. Shocker, it's Drake Batherson scoring a power play goal assist from Tim Stutzla and Thomas Shabbat. And then the third period, the goal we've talked about, Mark Jankowski unassisted on the score sheet. Some would say the stripes had a little play in that. And then Alec Tucks ends it on an empty net goal. That one assisted by Cousins and Jeff Skinner, Pilsy's lookout player from tonight's game. But, Pilsy, let's turn this a little more positive. Who's your Sen Central standout from tonight's game? Are we going to draft again? I don't know if there's too many to really draft, but <laughs> yeah. we'll each go around. Pilsy, start us off. All right, well, i got to go with Alex Formanson, and um, he was my locked-on player, and he ended up having a really good game. He's got to find a way to finish, though. Like, he gets so many breakaway chances. I mean... Hard to get on a guy who's on a two-game, two-point streak each game. But I really thought he had a good pace of play. He was getting in behind the defense like I was hoping he would when I talked about it today. And, yeah, I just thought he was one of the more noticeable guys. Like, it seemed like every shift out there, he was making something happen with the puck, or at least he was getting open and uh, creating a chance to break out from the zone with ease. So Alex Formanton was my guy tonight. All right, Martian. I'm going to take uh, Eric Brandstrom. Eric, he, uh, he just had one of his better games as an NHLer. I thought it was Definitely. nice to see. He was pro- probably one of the very few bright spots of the game. Although, like throughout the game, I thought they were playing great. But Eric yeah. Brandstrom had a really good game. Uh, he had over 20 minutes, which is a, a, a solid amount of minutes for him, I think. 
And, uh, you know, he got credit for two hits, although I thought he was playing a little bit more physical than that even too. And his puck movement was great. And that's, that's what you want to see out of him. So, uh, yeah, Eric Brandstrom. All right. I'm going to go with Anton Forsberg. Didn't love the goal against, but otherwise he was solid. There were a couple of opportunities when it was tied 1-1 before the second Buffalo goal went in where I thought he stood tall and made some tremendous saves. So I'm going to go with Anton Forsberg, 29 saves on the night. And guys, did you think, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Did you think Hauser was the better goalie tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal. He played great. And like, Man, this guy had no rebound issues. Like the Sens, other than obviously the Batherson goal, but uh, the Sens did not get many second chances. He was catching things. He had good positioning. Like for a guy with limited NHL experience, I mean, 29 years old, so he's no like uh, fresh rookie or anything, but he uh, has a lot of time in the East Take Coast Hockey League. So he played well. He yeah, certainly I thought, did. I thought so too. Yeah. Ottawa putting a season high 44 shots on <laughs> goal. And get this. Every single player on the Ottawa Senators roster had a shot tonight. Every oh, single that's, one. That's crazy. Yes. Dylan Even Gambrell, Josh Brown? Actually, yeah. I remember His shot. was late. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dylan Gambrell, Tyler Ennis, and Josh Brown all had one. Everybody else had multiple shots, including six from Thomas Shabbat, five from Tim Stutzla. But Timmy was a dash three and snapped his twig right yeah. over the, the post after the game. Frustration. Coming out the opposite of his German counterpart, Leon Dreisaitl, who is very stoic in his frustration. Timmy wears his heart on his sleeve for better or worse. Although anyone who's paying attention, you don't have to get great coverage to know that Timmy's been unbelievable improvement. Maybe not unbelievable, but he's improved drastically in the defensive zone this season long. So I think the the thing that sends fans, if you're at the water cooler tomorrow, you're trying to be positive about the Senators, it has to be Eric Branstrom, right? Like what he did on that stretch pass right out of the gate with Formanton on the breakaway, it's too bad that that puck bounced up on Formie or else oh, I think he would have so probably, yeah. he looked like I he was ready to I think he's an honorable jump. mention for us, I think, tonight. Yeah? Standouts, yeah, especially yeah. early on. Those two breakaways were great. You just, you want to see him bury one of those. I was kind of hoping for the penalty shot, like, Odds are third yes, time's yeah. a charm, you know, for him. Get a breakaway three times, he'll score the third one. So even the penalty <laughs> shot there, why not? I felt like he was, you know, a step ahead. We I don't think anyone would have, you know, scoffed at a penalty shot call there. There's always uh, branch from doubters, and we're no strangers to that, especially earlier this season. I was on the time to move on bandwagon, but now seeing him in a consistent game after game, I'm starting to really like what I see. But what do you think? of the comment I pulled up here from DeGiggles saying he doesn't think the organization believes Branstrom's built for the playoffs. How would you respond to that, Martian? I tend to disagree with that thought because he's, I, I see Branstrom pl- play and he, when he wants to play with intensity, he's got it in him. He can he can bear down and play a physical hard game if he really wants to. And I think that's what he's starting to try to do because he's realizing that's probably the only way he's going to be able to look at be looked at seriously by – you know, DJ Smith and whoever else is making the decisions with him going up and down and, and spending time in the AHL this late in his kind of seasoning. But I think that he's able to, I think he would be great in the playoffs. I honestly think that he'd step up and have the kind of game where you go, holy crap, look at this guy, Eric Brandstrom, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, there's a reason he's such a highly touted prospect. Prospect. It's like, and you see it like that. Yeah. I don't know why they keep flip-flopping. Like he, he, he's played so well with Shabbat the last few games. And it seems like an unnatural fit where they're both so offensively minded, but 
I really like their shifts together, even tonight in the third period when they brought those two out together. We would be remiss in tonight's podcast if we did not bring up Brady Kachuk dominating another fight and the hit that led to that. I, I mean, if that crowd is in, in the arena for that hit, that fight, I think we might see a different score at the end of the first period. You might be yeah. right. Yeah, I think that would have been momentum changer. And especially because that was one of those fights where Brady was pissed he had to stand up for himself. And he was pissed <laughs> yeah. it was... I, who was it? Hayden? Not a good Hayden. trade-off. Who? Yeah, le- yeah, that's exactly. He's pissed this this Hayden guy's coming after him. And, and it was someone else in between, too. Hey, eh, Pills, he had to like reach over. He was about to go with two It was guys. Cody Eakin, yeah. And Cody it was Eakin a clean sli- hit. Slipped out through there. And it was a clean hit. And yeah, like that fight could have been over. Like they're both tired, but Brady was like, I'm not done with you yet. And yeah. he just kept shoving him up against the boards, then takes him down. So, you know, Brady had a little fire on that one. Yeah, that's the kind of fight a guy with a brother always wins. <laughs> no, never no Parents aren't coming down the stairs anytime soon. Exactly, yeah. And if you go to HockeyFights.com, I, I did a quick record check, and you can vote on every fight at HockeyFights.com. And uh, he's 14-3 and three in 17 fights at yep. the National Hockey League level. And I think he could have been 15-2. and two, But remember when he fought Blake Wheeler? He kind of stopped and let Wheeler hit him first. And that's not a very smart call when no. you've got a guy who's 6'5", 230 around there. But uh, the most frustrating part of this game, and there's a few things, but when a ref touches a player, the, the whistle has to go. There's no two ways about it. Especially so. when there's eight players all conjoined together. Like, I just, I don't understand how no one blew the whistle. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> it was really brutal. But... You know, this I, I said it earlier, but I, at the same time, the Sens, like, they can't look at that and say that's the reason they lost for no, real. No, definitely not. Because they, they had a chance to win the game. They had yeah. 10 minutes left. They couldn't get it done against the, the, the Buffalo Sabres. So that's, a I guess, one of these – another learning experience is frustrating because I think that they are way better than the record shows. And losing to the Sabres is just another thing that people can point at and say, like, oh, look at the measly Senators came and beat the yeah. Sabres. But sucks. Definitely. After the momentum built from two big wins in Alberta, Ethan Laporte writing in the reason they lost that game had to be because the first home game without any fans, no zoom chance and needed it. it. There was definitely a different vibe in the arena. Like it just sucks without fans. And hopefully uh, I think it's until January 26th right now, the the order, hopefully you can get fans back in the crowd because it is a competitive disadvantage. And as much as we hate having these games postponed, it's even worse to play them when there's no fans in the building, especially when I flip the channel and on the next uh, on the next station, packed barn. And last night I'm watching an NFL game with eighty thousand people in it, and you can't even have like friends and family in the arena in Ottawa. It's just it must be so tough for the players. But I thought they did a good job of manufacturing the the energy that they could, and Brady was a big part of that. But it's it's just tough to when you lose to the freaking buffalo sabers like come on that team and they didn't even deserve to win like that's the way the Sens have been winning games in years past right that's what i was gonna say like this was this was clearly a game where the Sens were obvious favorites like they were controlling play the goals the sabers got were very lucky and timely goals and i just feel like the Sens have been doing this to us all year like Every single time that uh, we have a game where we're like, okay, their opponents are down bad, and this is the perfect time for the Sens to beat up on them, 
they come up short. Like, remember the Chicago game? Remember the Vegas game? The game up against the Canucks? Like, there were so many opportunities where this should have been a slam dunk game and they can't get it done. Go ahead, Mark. And, and I'm seeing I'm seeing Cole Cole Westwell's comments here saying that you know it's debilitating for a young team, you know, with 10 minutes left in the game to have something like that happen to them. And that's kind of what I was saying. You know, they, they gotta be able to look at that and learn from that kind of experience. And next time shit happens, because shit's always gonna happen, they need to, you know, wake up and, and get over it and start playing hockey again. Cause you did notice in the in the next two or so minutes of the game, it took them a while to get their shit together. <laughs> yeah, it certainly did. Uh, a couple last points we want to get to. Goalie-friendly show, and then, yeah, the adventures of Matt Murray continued. But first, at least Craig Anderson didn't play. Young Zachary, 96, writing in because it would have sucked his return to Ottawa being in an empty building. We discussed that a little bit this morning on Locked On Senators because that – that needs to be at a full bar. And that guy, we need talk about the Absolutely. Brady chance, the Zub chance, Andy, Andy. Andy. That's one of the all-time great chants for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, so I don't really need any takes. That's more just a statement. But I do want takes on this. Matt Murray had two good games. And then illness. Non-COVID illness is all we're being told. I believe the third time he's missed games for a non-COVID illness. And then he's been placed with Belleville's COVID list as well. So, I mean, that's not something that you can control, but oh my God, like this guy has to find a way to play a, a consistent number of games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. <laughs> it's really, it's really tough to, to see that a guy can't stay healthy like that. But I, I really question what the hell is going on with this guy. Like, why is he sick all of the time? You called know. Brandon Filzy. What did you call it before? You said it's a, a skinny, skinny kid syndrome. I mean, he doesn't yeah. have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, body to work against all these sicknesses, I guess. But I don't know. Like apparently there was a bug going around the Sens room, and also uh, Stuart Skinner got placed on COVID protocol just yesterday. So I'm dude. He's at the other call, end of the I, ice. Yeah, I but I mean, there's still like there could be other Oilers that were affected and right. who knows you're in the same arena. I, I'm Brandon Pillar, not a doctor. So actually, who knows you know what? what's I was, going on here. I was listening to the team 1200 pregame show and Gord Wilson was talking about how he, he talked to Matt Murray in the elevator before or after a practice or between a practice and a game or whatever it was. And he said, you know, Hey, you looked great in practice today. And Matt Murray said, uh, yeah, well, I'm finally feeling good again. And then oh, after, after COVID and then, you know, they sent him down two days later. And, of course, he played all right in Belleville. Then he came back up. He played good. And then I don't know what's happening now. But like you said, Ross, this is the third time. And then I would say the fifth time that he's been unavailable to the team because of something or another. Like, he hasn't just been sick. He's been getting hurt, too. So he, he's super lethargic and super, like, sickly. And, like, we got to get it this guy sucks. nurse or something just to be with him all the time, I feel like. Just it sucks because he, he, looked, he looked good in his last two oh, yeah. games. And you're hoping he could build off that. And simply, you can't build on something if you're not able to show up and be a part of it. And yeah, I'm, we're, we're not going to speculate, I think, anymore. But at the same time, like this is a guy who was practicing at the start of the season, but couldn't start in the first game of the year. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Ho hopefully something figures itself out here soon with Matt Murray. But I did think Forsberg did a fine job today, right? Um, Martian, are we going to get into your little Twitter war here before we go? I don't even really want to give it the time of the day. The guy's a joke. I, for those who don't know, Don Brennan was – 
hitting me in my DMs today. Saying he was going to call the authorities. Yeah, he was, I mean, the part two is even crazier. What I posted, <laughs> I think, is just says enough as it is. But, like, it, it's really it's really something that this, this guy considers himself, you know, a media member. And this is the way he's behaving in his DMs. Like, Donnie, you're on the internet, buddy. Just so you know, if you're watching this. Because you probably are. Because I, I don't know how many drinks he's had today, but he's been – He's been all, in all game long. Sure. He was messaging me like I was just watching it, like the little bubbles pop up, like he was typing. Oh my god! And then like, stop. Jeez. I'm gonna be in his bonnet. That's for sure. I'm in yeah. his kitchen. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's your location on Twitter in the in your kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, love I guess it. I should change it to Don Brennan's kitchen because that's where I am right now. Donnie, <laughs> if you want to go have a beer and go hang out and you know talk about the sense, I'll be more than happy to. There you go. Marshall There's no guarantees friends. that I won't have a recording device in my pocket, buddy. Because I could easily have one in there, and I would love to. I would love to share that with everybody. So that's unbelievable. At Laleem's Martian, you can go see it there if you if you're unsure what we're talking about. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. We always appreciate everybody joining us in the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast. I know it was a tough end of the game, but let's get some go sends go in the chats. Why not finish off the night feeling good about a good effort? They had 44 shots on goal. Every single player had a shot and only one scored. And yes, that is something that will be need to be worked on by Thursday, which we thought was the Matt Murray revenge game in Pittsburgh. But now, who knows? All bets are off. What we do know as well is that Pilsy and I will be back on Locked On Senders tomorrow. And we're going to speculate even further. What's next with Matt Murray? How can Eric Brancher build on this strong effort? and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for joining us in the postcast. We do truly appreciate it, and follow the show on Twitter as well, at SendCentury. You can follow the show on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. The Buffalo Sabres get the win, 3-1 in Ottawa over the Senators in what was the Sens' first home game in over a month. Let's hope that they don't have to wait that long for the next one, and that is the next game will have fans as well. Have a great night, everybody, and go Sens go.